good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men and women. (laughs) This is the season for family and friends. As I said in that song, let the joy begin. Well, this is the third week of Advent. And this series serves as a reminder of the reason for the season. And it brings to mind a story that I thought about Jesus, you know, one of those stories that come to my mind that uh, not officially in the Bible, but the James Trap version. <laughs> but you remember some parts of it, you know, Jesus is kind of walking down the street and he comes across a mob of people. And it's an angry mob. And the mob is surrounding a woman who is of ill repute, kind of a walker of the night. And they intend to stone her to death for violating the rules of the community. And Jesus rushes to the woman's defense. And, you know, not only was he a prophet, but he was also a lawyer. He's in my view. (laughs) And he brilliantly defends her. And he convinces the mob to spare her life. And everybody puts down their stones. And as he winds up his spiel by dramatically saying, let one who has... No sin at all. Anyone who's never made a mistake, let they be the one to cast the first stone. And as I said, everybody dropped their stones except this one woman. This woman steps forward and nails the other woman right between the eyes with a huge stone. And Jesus turns to the woman and says, Mom? Do you always have to do that? It is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. I know it's a corny joke, but you'll remember it. But the important thing to remember, that the season and what it represents, and what Jesus the Christ represents, and what he represents is something he discovered within himself. And we are to discover and uncover that within ourselves as well. There's a statement in 1 Colossians, the 26th chapter, 1st chapter and 26th verse, 27th verse. And it says something to the effect that that which has been hidden now has been made manifest. And what has been manifest are the words, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I know that some people have a problem with that word Christ. I know many times I did. But I began to understand that Christ is not necessarily, it's not a person. It's remembering that it's a principle 
something that's within each and every one of us. You know, the original birth of this idea of the Christ is found in the Hebrew Bible in Genesis. The first chapter in 27th verse when it says God created man and woman in its image. In his image of God created him male and female. He created them. So that Christ's presence is the image of God, the spirit of God within us. And it's within every single person, no matter who they are, no matter what they may be doing in life. You know, this master teacher said in the Gospel of John in 8 to 58th chapter, before Abraham was, I am. And I am is simply the ancient universal name of God, the spirit of God in all of us. Probably the greatest way to celebrate Christmas or the mass celebration of the Christ presence is to acknowledge the Christ spirit within ourselves. And that's what Advent is all about. It's about to help us remember this truth. And thus today's topic, Advent, sure of joy. You know, we've all been gifted in some way, shape or form with a divine vitality. We've been, divine, we've been gifted with the powers of, of will, the power of strength, the power of enthusiasm, the cow, power of joy. Yet, of course, if we look around and sometimes we listen, eavesdrop on conversations, people are asking sometimes, what happened to the miraculous life energy that has brought us into existence that we've all come from? What happened to that? Sometimes it feels like there's a tidal wave of pessimism that has washed ashore and somehow drowned out the dreams of many people. There's an emotional energy of a world that sometimes seems like it's flatlining. And maybe it's because of the, the pandemic and what we've been through the last year and a half or more. After all, some people will say, have you seen the news? Have you checked out the Internet? Don't you know what's happening? Have you seen the conflicts going on across the planet, within our communities, within the politics? Do you see the suffering that is taking place? Have you seen the statistics on gun violence and deaths like what has happened in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago? And it's not, that's only the surface of it. That's just one that's been reported. And we might imagine that the lack of joy is justified. And then you add on top of that where we sense a world where the number of people are fascinated and sometimes caught up in the materialistic aspect of life. That sometimes shout so loudly to us during this time of the year and sometimes in the West all year long, but it has a heightened experience now. Or sometimes we're just caught up in reality shows, hopefully no one here, of other people's lives. <laughs> that has nothing to do with reality, by the way. And they're focusing more on that than their own experience, their own life. So from afar, it may appear that many people have become resigned and given up, and they've given up their remarkable potential. They are consenting to the creep and the crawl instead of the soaring that we can be. And they turn into a culture of slow-moving, low-aiming negativity. Let us remember that life's purpose is to live it fully and completely. You know, Jesus said, I've come to, that they may have life more abundantly. And I would add, not only to have it more abundantly, to have it more freely, vibrantly, madly, consciously, lovingly, enthusiastically, and joyously. Our choice as to Christ's nature gives us a charge for such a life. And it's time to fire it up once more. We're here to practice that joy. 
I would say the spirit of living God wants us to be in joy, no matter what we're going through or growing through. And we do that by reexamining our orientation to life and cultivate a more positive and present pulse of this presence. So we may ask, you know, how do we do this? How do we make joy a way of life regardless of what we're going through? No matter of the challenges that we have to go through to move from where we are to where we know we can be. You know, as an aside, I mentioned the earlier service that I was in the office earlier. Reverend Deborah and uh, Patty, who does a lot of uh, the uh, work around the office. And they just were laughing uncontrollably. I said, what's going on in there? And uh, I didn't know what they were laughing about. I didn't. Then all of a sudden I noticed I started laughing. I didn't even know what they were laughing about, but I just started joining in anyway. That's why I say that, you know, if you don't have anything to laugh about, just laugh on credit. It don't matter. You know, laugh on credit. It's free and available. You don't have to wait for anything happen to have that joy. <laughs> like I said, there's no definitive how-tos to get into this joyous mood, this bay of life. But we can engage in strategies to keep us in that joy. And we start by realizing we always have a choice. The greatest of spiritual freedoms is the ability to choose. We have the ability to choose. That was distinguishes us from other creatures and animals. At any moment, the palette of our emotional sky. And we alone can activate the very energy and the emotion through which we experience our life. So if we want to feel joy and gratitude in our lives, then we must direct our beliefs. We must direct our behaviors in order to accomplish that end. We have the ability to do that. But we have to do it constantly. We have to do it with vigor and repetition so that those emotions become the colors of our daily attitude, of our day-to-day experiences. Now, it may sound simple, but it's not always easy to do this work. But we want to make that our mission. You know, perhaps the most vital requirement of the good life, the joyous life, is to have the constancy of mind to maintain our joy and gratitude even amidst hardships that we go through. Even times when we have the pain that we experience and the injustices that we often see. This is the requirement of self-mastery and happiness. So it rests on our shoulders to notice when we feel bored or when we feel depressed to see where our attention is. You know, I think I read some time ago that 25% of people in America feel depressed over a long period of time. Sometimes it's genetic, yes. But the scientific research shows that many people who are afflicted by something much more deadlier than the pressures of life or even genetic causes. They're victims of their own resentful judgments, their own resentful judgments. I always like to say that, you know, sometimes we have an energy that we send towards somebody. But what I realize is that they only get the copy. We always keep the original. It stays with us. We keep it. You know, there was one study that said where resentful thoughts were reduced by sometimes 50 or 60 percent when people got rid of their energy. There's a story I mentioned about William James, who is considered the father of positive psychology. And he tells a story of a writer by the name of Horace Fletcher. 
I guess he was pretty famous during that day, who was just a little conscious, with a little conscious effort, increased his joy by reducing his resentful habits to the point that without any annoyance or without any impatience, he could watch a train move out of the station without getting angry. And the reason that he could have gotten angry is that the porter who was supposed to bring his bags never showed up. So he missed his train. Normally, most folks would just be absolutely out their mind. But he said that the porter from the hotel, he came out, he was panting, he was running to the station trying to bring him his bags. And of course, the train had already left, so, you know, it wasn't really helping anything. But he was looking as if the wrath of God was about to be hurled upon him. But the writer said to the porter, it doesn't matter. You couldn't help it. We'll try again tomorrow. Here's your fee. Get paid him his money. I'm sorry that you had to go through all this trouble to earn it today. And the writer who had missed his train later said he looked at the, the porter and saw the surprise that came over his face. And he was so filled with the pleasure and joy that he was paid on the spot. He said the next day that when the porter came, he would not accept anything from him for his service. He said the two of them became friends for the rest of their life. He turned that experience that could have been an unjoyful one into a powerful one. You know, there was a story about a doctor who, who tells of one of his patients. And that patient had a very joyous life and had a lot of resentful habits, and including harshly rebuking and criticizing his workers. There was a sharp edge to his words anytime he said something to his workers there. He was the kind of individual who would have so many harsh words, he would be very judgmental and attacking as if he was going to get some prize at the end of the day for doing this. But he said that the man was so desperate for relief from his chronic depressions, he was willing to have it beat out of him. And the doctor said, hold on, man, you don't need to do that. I got something to suggest that's a little bit less drastic than that. And he told him to try a little spiritual discipline. He told the man to consciously break his vengeful impulses and refuse as best as he could from turning his hostile thoughts into hurtful comments toward anyone. And to do that for one year, of course, that seemed like a lot for him to do, but he said, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I can't take this anymore. But in less than a year's time, he said that patient became better. That patience, that depression that he had began to go away and the joy began to return to his life. And the doctor reminded him to never, ever allow yourself to entertain malicious thoughts under any circumstances, no matter the provocation, no matter how justified it may seem. Because by forgiving people, we're not doing them a favor. We might be, but really we are hurting ourselves when we don't. Because we're carrying the grudge. And there's no way for us to live if we want to stop doing that because it is stopping our joy. This is what's necessary for self-mastery and joy. There can no, be no mastery of life if we cannot transform the energy we feel at any moment into cheerful engagement and deep appreciation. You know, there's some people who, you know, label themselves as realists. Realists. 
You know, they say, let's be realistic. As I say, you know, say, when somebody tells you, let's be realistic, they're really telling you in code, let's be negative. Let me tell you why it's not going to work. <laughs> They'll tell you it's impossible. And, you know, and, you know we have a, they've all they've done is abandoned hope. And we'll say that our world is too stressful, that our world is too cruel, that our genetics and environment are destined to dominate our life and our feelings. But understand that as spiritual beings, we have something special. We can think independent of the circumstances that we face. And we can let our own minds decide what is real and what is possible for us. We can choose. There are those whose faces are so alight with life that they serve as a blinding reminder amid the darkness Amid the darkness of our times, that joy and charisma and hope still exist. I remember years ago when I was at Unity Worldwide Ministries, I took a trip to Nigeria. And we went to a very, very you know, tough part of the city. Uh, people didn't have much. There were some people in that community who were going through lots of challenges. You know, family members were kidnapped and deaths were happening at that time. And they didn't have a lot of material things, you know, things in life that most of us here take for granted. But I remember we had a, a Sunday service. I think it was Sunday. It might have been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know. They always were celebrating. But what I remembered was that when it came down to the offertory, they didn't just drop their money in the basket. They came and they danced down the aisles, dropped their money in the front, all to the music that was going on in the background. And they had some, some, some trees they hollered out, turned it into drums, and right next to the electronic pianos. They had a blessing that they were celebrating, even though their means of living were meager compared to what we have. I think the energized and the happy and the thankful among us they're not lucky, nor are they to be envied in any way, for their treasures are available to us as well. Their treasures is a freely chosen attitude. And we're not blind to the fact sometimes it's difficult to choose joy if we're in an agitated, chaotic, and awful angry world. As I say, sometimes if you look on Twitter, boy, there's a lot of angry people out there. <laughs> but we're wired to sense and mirror the emotional energy around us. Now, that's a blessing maybe at times in our past when, you know, we were in grave danger or living in the wild and, and it prevented us from being eaten or maimed by prowling animals or murderous bands of humanity. But this primal protection is now sometimes an enemy for our joy. This mirroring impulse can ruin our lives. The energy of the masses is sometimes at best a low-tier energy, an emotionally bleak space created by a confused yet cynical people operating on sometimes little sleep. They're in high stress. There's a frenetic desire to be somewhere else, to be someone else, to do something else in life. And so it brings a lot of stress and anxiety and we want to ask ourselves, should I conform to their energy? See, the more we automatically allow ourselves to sync with others' energy, 
other energy levels. Unless, you know, those energy levels are energies of love and enthusiasm and joy we ourselves wish to have. If they're not, if we get in tune with that energy, it diminishes our power. So the question is, what is the magic secret of the joyous folks who seem to be in joy all the time, who light the world? Where do they find such pleasure in life? How do we exude such positivity as they do? I think theirs is a simple formula. The joyous are simply more conscious. They're simply more consistent in their attempts to sense and generate joy and to generate gratitude. They try harder, making joy a practice. They make joy a habit. They make joy a consistent condition of their character and an enduring social art and glum and boring times that may be amiss in them. They have made it their aim to live a joyous life. That's all they've done. They've made a different choice. So we look at the instructions sometimes of little, the little people that are happy around us. Children have joy naturally. They don't hold on to grudges. I remember watching two little kids. They got into a knockdown, drag out argument. And I thought they were going to be mortal enemies for life. But five minutes later, they were like, you know, back together again, you know, enjoying themselves as if nothing happened. They don't hold on to that stuff. You know, their curiosity, their lack of expectations, their pleasures in the small things, their full engagement in the moment are quick sprouting seeds of joy. And we can learn from them. I mean, what would happen if we put their natural inclinations for joy into our lives, into our ways of being? Can we take pleasure in the small things and expecting good things to come our way? Surely doing these things would change our lives if we made that a constant conscious choice. So let's return then to the instruction of the happy children. Again and again, be curious. Release expectations. Take pleasure in the small things and expect only good. Do it cheerfully and engage in the moment. That's all we have is this moment. You know, those who perfect bringing joy into their everyday life are not unlike other masters of their work. We know people who are just magnificent in what they do. They really work hard at something and it becomes their play. The greatest artists, the greatest athletes, the greatest singers, you know, wonderful managers and executives, people who run businesses, the happiest laborers and the most respected leaders are those who lose themselves in their work with great zeal and with great enthusiasm. So their efforts are like a game. Even in the chaos and the turmoil, they meet struggle with intense and spirited joy. They engage in the challenge and they honor it as if they expected it and they accept it. Even if there's discomfort, even if there's complexity, they build their lives and their careers and they appear unfazed and nearly serene anyway. Sometimes they sing or they laugh as they toil. They smile when perplexed when they're working. They spend and stretch themselves with devotion, willing themselves to remain positive and cheerful despite what they may be facing. 
knowing that one day their diligence will make them masters, knowing that one day they will have their victory and their transcendence will take place. These are the joyous masters. Finally, as I kind of close out, I'll just say that one powerful strategy, now, made some mention of this to bring joy, is to live a life of gratitude. And searching things to be grateful for. We don't have to look very far. One must simply release sometimes the, our attachment of our ego, which is, you know, the low vibration that sometimes we have. We need to let down our persona that feels as if it has created all things and somehow has to, has to be perfect in all things and accept the natural, the unexplainable, the energy that has graced us with vitality and a world of magic. A vibrant and happy life begins with a path of gratitude. So let us be more appreciative and thankful each day. And we can say things like, let me be thankful for the light that surrounds me. Let me be thankful for the caregivers who inspire me. Let me be thankful for that partner who overlooks my shortcomings. Let me be thankful for the man or woman who risks their lives to protect my freedoms. Let me be thankful for the blue tint in the sky and the beauty of the natural world in which we all live in and know that is part of us. Let me be thankful for the heart that drums through life that gives me life. Let me be thankful for the night's rest that I had, no matter how short or long it may have been. Mine was kind of short last night. <laughs> Let me be thankful for the gifts of free will, of volition, of endurance. Let me be thankful for my mentors and the traitors that I may have in my life who have also instructed me. Let me be thankful that I am not living in a deeper need and squalor. Let me be thankful for my home, for my daily bread, for my clean water. We take that for granted sometimes. Let me be thankful for the opportunity to work and to create and to earn. Let me be thankful for the luck that has advanced me and the disasters and tribulations that somehow have educated me. Let me be thankful for the blank slate that comes with each morning when I wake up and my heart is still beating. Let me be thankful for them to be greaters of gratitude that are challenges. But have joy. We don't have gratitude. We generate it and we experience them by our will. We're cultivating those emotions of joy. Reason. Let's be reminded we can bring as much and generate sure of joy. Peace out. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming lives As we love, serve, and remember Who we are One heart